turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We missed Jen already, uh, but I'm glad that we still have the Word of God that we can go to, even if it's impromptu, uh, by me. And you got to listen to me, but uh, hope, but the hopefully you, I will be set aside, and you can hear what the Lord has to say. Is that red vehicle the one that he's having trouble with, or the, the white one? Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, But we glory in tribulations also, knowing the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope makes not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The root of the matter that we find is this matter of justification. And we see its fruit here. If you have justification, you have it all. Amen? Amen? If you have five things in particular here, you have peace with God, you have access to God, you have... uh, a rejoicing in a rejoicing in God. You have glory even in your trials, and you have a wonderful experience of love. And those those, those are the fruits, and the root is this matter of justification, being justified I don't know who's saved here and who's not get that out of the way so it don't trip me but I know I am I know that I have stood before my God guilty you got to understand that before you understand what justification is Justification is this forensic term. It's this term of of judgment where we stand before a bar of justice and we're guilty. And we know we're guilty. And the judge must do what is right. Because the judge is a holy and just God. I know that it's popularly been said by uh, Paul Washer, and I'll quote him, uh, the frightening truth, the most frightening truth about God is he's good. 
Amen? Because if He's good, then what does He do with us when we're not? So we're standing before His bar of justice. We know we're guilty. And instead of the guilty verdict coming down and all of its judgment, we have been declared (coughs) innocent by our God. That's what justification is. Justified before God. Just... Standing in our sins and yet being declared righteous. Now, how could God do that? Now, by His grace alone. But, but God's a just God. How could He clear the guilty? In fact, He said in the law, I will by no means clear the guilty. There is no means or mechanism in this world whereby the guilty can consider themselves righteous before God. So how is it that a good God, a just God, a holy God, can in the act of his judgment judge you and me to be right with him? In fact, Proverbs tells us that it is an abomination for God for those who call the wicked good. But that is what happens when it says we are, present tense, justified. So what is the basis? You and I know what what the basis is. God did judge our sins. There was someone that stood and pled guilty for him. (laughs) And they said, he said, that's my sin. I'm guilty of it. I will bear the punishment of it. And he went and bore the punishment of it. And all of that just wrath against sin fell on him. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. I was thinking about this. You're getting my Christmas message early. <laughs> I was thinking about what am I going to say on Christmas Day? And, and he is the Prince of Peace. Here we have peace. First, The first fruit of our righteousness is this peace. But... But he was made to be sin for us. Uh, It's popular for the uh, Catholics to uh, compare um, Mary to the Ark of the Covenant. But that is unbiblical. Because he's the propitiation. He's the place where the mercy seat sits. He is where our sins were paid for. Right. He, tre- he treaded the 
grapes of wrath alone. And there is no other means. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's this morrow of justification. That is the Christian faith in summary. I stand righteous before God because someone else stood guilty in my place. If we can understand that blessed truth of vicarious atonement, then we understand what it means to be justified. And if we understand that we not only understand it here, but we can experience it in our world, in our life, being justified. Uh, there are cults out there that say, uh, that conflate justification with sanctification and thereby say you can never know that you are indeed just before God because you must continue to do this and you must continue to do that in order to, to uh, have that justification. That's not what Paul is teaching here. He is teaching justification as a real present reality for his people, for us. Do you know if this is a reality for you? Are you justified? Right. Not on the basis of your works, and I know James had something a little different to say, but he was speaking from a different context based upon what Paul has said here. Abraham, let's go back to Romans 4. In verse 1, James was talking about, a, about justification before men. When he says Abraham was justified by works, he proved he, he proved he was a friend of God by what he did. And by his works, his faith was made perfect. That was the context of James. What is Paul talking about here when he is talking about justification? What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? What did Abraham find in this matter? And by the way, what is the context of chapter 4 verse 1? It's justification. Chapter 3 verse 25. God has been set God has set him to Christ to be a propitiation for us for the remission of sins, and so on and so forth. Being justified, that's the language of 3.24, freely by his grace. So this is the justification Paul is talking about now in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, if Abraham were justified by works, all right, here is the conditional statement. Here is, here is the, the, uh, the first part of the condition, the if. If Abraham were justified by works, which we know he was not, because we are talking about justification without works. We are talking about the ground and root of the matter of us before God. If Abraham were justified by works, and he most certainly was not, he 
hath whereof to glory, or he would have had something to boast about, but not before God. See, the sinner cannot boast before God about anything that they've done. God, look at how good I am. Right, Abraham, you just lied about your wife and said she was your sister. So, so, so you're not you're not a good man. All right. So Abraham would have had something to boast about if he was saved by works in any way, shape, or form, but not before God. That can't be so. So that can't be what we're talking about because we're talking about justification before God here. For or because, verse 3, Romans 4, 3, for what says the scripture? What is the ground by which Abraham stood as a just man before God? It wasn't his works. For what says the scripture? And he quotes Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was he was reckoned to be righteous by God by faith. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 5:1. Therefore being justified by faith. By faith in what? Well, again, the context. Going back to chapter 3. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Going back to 3.21. But now the righteousness of God without the laws manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. You and I, simply by believing upon Christ, are justified before God. On that basis, and on that basis alone, that's the justification by faith that Paul is talking about in Romans 5.1. So, that is abundantly clear here. It says, now him that worketh, chapter 4, verse 4, now him that works is a reward not reckoned by grace but of debt you're not that's that's religion right there i said my prayers i uh i gave my offering i Depending on what, I mean, you can add anything to the end of that statement, depending on what religion you are practicing, right? Uh, if you're a Mormon, you've wore your holy underwear, and, uh, and you have, uh, 
and you have gone on your missionary journey. If you're a Muslim, you've gone to Mecca, you've gone, you, you, you've, you've gone around the cabal, you've gone down and thrown rocks at the devil in the river, and you have prayed five, prostrate five times. And if you're, and if you're a Buddhist, you have, you have gone the eightfold path of enlightenment, and you've disciplined your body, and you, you, and all of this is trying to get there. Because you deserve it. That's not the faith of the scripture. It's grace. Not debt. Grace. Unmerited favor of God. Undeserved favor of God. You didn't. What is our wage? What do we deserve? Death, the wages of sin. You work, you work all week, and you get a uh, you get a paycheck. That's your wages. You deserve that, right? Uh, sometimes I deserve my paycheck too. <laughs> uh, you know how us bureaucrats are, but 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 it's what we deserve. You're a sinner. What do you deserve? Death. We don't want it reckoned by debt. Unless it's the merit of Christ that's being added, being given to us. But to him that works not, Romans 4, 5. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. Simple faith on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted, reckoned, for righteousness. And of course, it goes on. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man. Who is that man here? Who's the blessed man? Well, the blessed man here is a sinner. <laughs> because it goes on. The blessing, yeah, the blessing comes from Christ. Um, uh, it says, "Blessed." David describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. So it's us. It's the sinner. God counts them righteous without works. This is what David says: "Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven." On what basis? On grace alone. On faith alone. Whose sins are covered? On what basis? On grace alone. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. On what basis? Grace alone. Comes this blessedness upon the circumcision only. Hey brother. Comes this blessedness on the circumcision only. Or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And it goes on to talk about this matter of circumcision. So it's important for us to understand as we get to the root of the matter in chapter 5 verse 1. That the root of the matter is justification. And once you have that figured out. 
once you know yourself to be justified, you can enjoy the fruits thereof. And what are the fruits? Real quickly here we have five fruits. Therefore, being justified, or on the basis of being justified by faith, we have, first of all, peace. Not peace necessarily with one another. Uh, Brother Ken and I might fight it out sometimes, and he might fight it out with Thomas, and then Jimmy might get <laughs> might get his nose bent every once in a while too. And praise the Lord, we're not always going to get along with one another. Uh, it's not peace. It's not pe- It's not that kind of. It's not this peace that we're talking about. Um, if our ways please the Lord, if we makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. That's a great thing. And I long to be pleasing with the Lord, so I have less enemies, <laughs> uh, or at least they treat me kindly. But we're not talking about peace with our enemies. Peace with God. That's what we're going to talk about on Christmas Day a little bit. Uh, peace with God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the place. He's the propitiation. He's the one that brought peace to us. If we have peace with God, what were we before? We had peace with God. It goes on in Romans 5 to tell us exactly that. And it says in verse, well, somewhere down here, I know it's here, uh, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, what were you? You were an enemy. You were some at, you were at war with God. I'm reading uh, some stuff from Jonathan Edwards right now about our enmity with God in our natural state. Uh and, it, and it's true, it's, we were opposed in every way to God when we were sinners, before we were justified. But being justified. See, Adam was not at peace with God the second he sinned. What was he doing? He was afraid of God. He tried to cover himself. He tried to hide. Then when God questioned him, he was dishonest. (laughs) He was continuing to hide from God. Why? Because he was a sinner. That sin separated him from his God. But we have peace now. That's the fruit of our justification. We have peace. The peace spoken here in this text is just that. It is a peace that God has given. We are reconciled to God through Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father. We, we, he died, 1 Peter 3.18, He died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. That's the peace here. And I already quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Peace with God we have. Not only do we have peace with God, we have also access to God. 
I think we've already kind of I've got ahead of myself and, and quoted some of the things that we were talking about. But he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the means by which we now have peace. The arms are laid down. He is no longer opposed to us. We are no longer opposed to him. By whom? By Christ also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we now stand. So we have access by faith. Uh, Peter talked about he, him giving us abundant access. Um, so, so we, the writer of Hebrews would have said it like this, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly. I I'm not I am not coming to God trembling and shaking anymore. I have full access. So the Esther had to fast three days and went to the court of the king, trembling, not knowing whether or not the scepter would be held out to her or she would be put to death. That's not us. I, I have access in this faith wherein I now stand. I have access to God. I can come to Him. I, I, I have a meaningful relationship, a completely uh, a, a, a completely open door to God, to my God, who is my Father. Thirdly, the root of the matter is justification. The fruit is peace with God, access to God, hope, a rejoicing in hope. It says, and, to add to that, by whom we have access by faith and disgrace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is wonderful because I before what what were we before? We were hopeless without Christ. First for Ephesians two twelve. But now first Corinthians four six. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We walk in light. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, a few chapters later, for we are saved by hope. This, this is not talking about the salvation of justification. This is talking about now the salvation of sanctification. We, we are not walking around hopeless in this life, but we are saved by hope. For hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man does hope for, why does he yet... Uh, 
what, what, what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Thank you for getting me right on that one, brother. Uh, well, we, 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 we have a hope of something better. Paul says, Paul said, uh, if Christ was not risen, we are of all men most miserable. But Christ is risen. And there is something beyond all the sorrows and everything else that you and I are going. We are rejoicing in hope. One day, we will be with him. Uh, we, 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 uh, uh, one day there is a heaven. One day there, one day, one day there is going to, to we're, God's going to wipe away all the tears. One day we're going to be with him forever. We have a hope. Then we have glory and tribulations. I'm trying to go through these fruit real quick. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. If we have hope, all of a sudden, these tribulations, these trials that we have are meaningful and beneficial and profitable to us. We see the profitability of this. Um, where it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. And then he talks about this process, knowing that tribulation works patience. God's doing a work in us. It's working patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And the hope makes not ashamed. Uh, James would echo the very same thing as Paul here. He would say, brethren, if you fall, rejoice, because patience is having her perfect work. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Job would say, Job would say, I know that when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. There is there is a profitableness in all of in all that we are uh, enduring. And a meaning and a purpose and something that God is doing. And we can rejoice even in those things. Paul, Jesus Christ said uh, in John 16, he said, said uh, in this world you shall have tribulation. This is a verse, a part of the verse never quoted by Joel Stein. <laughs> uh, in this world you shall have tribulation. That's a promise. You're, gonna, you're going to have hard times. You're going to have hard times, but... Rejoice, I have overcome the world. I know I'm not quoting that exactly right. Uh, but be of good cheer. Rejoice, uh, uh, for I have overcome the world. Ain't it, ain't it wonderful that you and I can say, as Jacob had said, I, or, or Laban said about Jacob, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed us for your for thy sake. Uh, have we learned have we experienced God in that way as we're growing and and uh, continuing in uh, in our faith? Um, the last thing we have, so the root of the matter is faith, the fruit of the matter, peace with God, access to God. Uh, Rejoicing in hope, glorying in tribulations, and experiencing love. Experiencing divine love. And he says, because the love of God is shed abroad.
in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. We have been given the earnest, the down payment. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And in the experience of the Holy Spirit is that love. And and it's a it's a terrible thing that uh, people can put on the garb of Christianity but never have that experience of being loved of God. I remember listening to uh, Jim Benny uh, talking about a him counseling a pastor and uh, he just simply asked the pastor he says do you believe that God loves you and uh, and the man kept giving doctrinal answers uh, repeating uh, doctrinal statements and stuff like that and he kept pressing it on and then finally this pastor being broken by sin uh broke down and says, I've never really felt like God loves me. But that this is the experience that we can have when we are accepted in the beloved. God has poured his love out in Jesus Christ. He has poured his love out in the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and we have that thing. We have not just a God that we are have access to, but we have God that we are in communion with. And He has a permeating work in our lives. And He sheds abroad His love. Turn to Ephesians. And I hope I'm making sense. But Ephesians chapter 2, the popular text. We have the experience of Christ that's a greater love than no one else. Greater love has no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. And we have that experience real in our lives. Ephesians 2. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we're dead in sins, quickened us together. And you know the rest of it, showing us the riches of his grace in ages to come. That's the love. We have the experience of love, whereby Paul would later connect that with one of his greatest arguments for the security of the believer, where he says, I am persuaded that nothing, not death or life or, or, or principalities or powers or things high or things low, and I know I'm misquoting the verse, so, <laughs> or any creature that exists can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He was fully persuaded of that because that is the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our life is for us not just to sit here intelligently and talk about the love of God, but for us to have that as an experience, an overwhelming experience in our life. That is the fruit 
of justification by faith. I hope you got something from the Word of God tonight. Uh, I know it wasn't her.